Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 52 with Lee Wood. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. One thing I wanted to mention that's a little bit of a promo. If you remember, um, a couple of months ago, I started a website, engagingrun.me, where I'm doing 5K runs as an opportunity to not only do some exercise, but also to raise money for some missionaries. And I did my first 5K several weeks ago, and I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a teaser and a heads up that I'm in the process of identifying the next 5K. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about that, just stay tuned. I'll be sharing more with you in the coming weeks. All right, let's get started. I am super happy to have Lee Wood on the line today. Lee is a father of five who lost his first wife to pancreatic cancer back in 2008. He's an apostolic church leader, a leader in the church planting movement that launches other movements by training others to love God and others and to make disciples who make disciples. But that's not where it all started. It was over 30 years ago that he followed Jesus and was delivered from a life of addiction to cocaine and heroin. Okay, Lee, can you t- take a minute, tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Yeah, actually, um, following the death of my wife, the the maybe my life's chapter that Jesus um, um, has poured into me since I first trusted him, um, in um, 1983 is John 17. And he says in verse 3, he says, um, eternal life is to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And then he prays in that chapter that everyone that ever believes in him might be one, that the world might know the Father has sent the Son. I was an orphan. My first childhood memory is my dad driving away after dropping me off at the orphanage. My mom had died as a result of a house fire. My dad was a merchant seaman. So um, I, I, my first memory is actually being abandoned. And when I trusted Jesus and I, I got the family of God, just the Holy Spirit revealing that to me through John chapter 17 and, and other passages where we know we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren, that's really my heartbeat, uh, which is really, I believe, the dream of Jesus. Jesus, and I'm simply hearing and obeying that by training others to love God, love people, and to make disciples that make disciples. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, 
you know, on the, on this show, I tend to interview a lot of different types of people. Some are missionaries who serve overseas. Some are missionaries who serve in North America. Others are church planting leaders and things like that. And each person has a, a little bit different. I don't want to say life story, but their life is a little bit different. You know, sometimes it can seem like there's a disconnect between people who, who serve God in the marketplace and what we would call professional ministers, which mm-hmm. I, I know that we, we're probably on the same page about that, that God does call people to vocational ministry, but there's not two separate classes. In that, can you go ahead and share for us a little bit about what life is like for you, just so that we can kind of connect with you? Sure. I, I really believe that together, everyone that believes in Jesus, that it's a level playing field under the cross, so to speak. So I believe that together we're supposed to change the world uh, through through a relational intimacy with God and one another, and that we're on mission intentionally. So Spurgeon said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So I really think that the heartbeat of Jesus for all of us is, is that every person is a missionary. And then as we Inside of that, as we plant communities of other believers who trust in Christ, that movements occur and that actually that is the fulfillment of the Great Commission and that we're all engaged in that, whether that's in the marketplace, whether that's in ministry, we're all one. And that's actually the vision of God, the dream of Jesus and the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. So I think that the synergy that exists between us is exactly what you um, articulated in the question, brother. Oh, thanks. Now, we know a little bit about your ministry and a little tiny bit about you. I'm thinking we'll probably hear a little bit more about the ministry in a few minutes. But as we get into this, would you mind sharing with us maybe a scripture or a quote that's been really meaningful to to you over the years, whether it's the John 17, 3 or some other passage? And then, um, you know, what that's really meant to you over the years? In 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's verse 14, 15, it says, For that one that died for all, then they which live, should not live unto themselves, but unto him who died and rose again from the dead. So for, coming from an orphan, um, an orphan, and not understanding, really not having a, having a family, not understanding that dynamic of that Jesus loved me and that I could absolutely be abandoned to me and that he loved me, that I could live unto him, that the love of Christ, that verse says, constraineth us, it motivates us, for thus we thus judge that if one died for all, then everybody was dead, that they which live, that he's changed, should live unto him who died and rose again from the dead. The magnitude of that love of Jesus for me, as I meditate, that's been... Like, it's on the inside. It's from the inside out. And out of intimacy when I first came to Christ, because it was just it was just him and me. Um, if I can go a little bit long, I, I called out to Jesus. I, I thought I was dying um, aboard ship. I was I was injecting myself with cocaine and heroin. It was dirty. And I remember the gospel that that guy shared with me. And I called on Jesus and I said, help. And immediately I began to read that uh, a little New Testament that he'd given to me. And that that dynamic of that he could love me, an orphan, that he cared for me and that I could walk in relationship with him. Uh, I've never been the I've never been the same, Brian, ever. That, that's that's great. And 
Um, Lee, I want to ask you if I can take a little bit of liberty. You know, a couple minutes before this interview, you sent me that picture of the the Bible that you that that was given to you. Do you mind if I put that on the show notes so people can see visually if they're interested? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening to this, I would rec- I would I would just ask you if you wouldn't mind just stopping by the show notes. Those will be at engagingmissions.com slash Lee Wood. And just take a look at that Bible. It's it's clearly a treasure because I can tell it's well worn and you know I can tell that Lee's been using it over the years and it's got the it's got the date that somebody gave it to him. And you know, for those of you that maybe sometimes think that those little acts, those giving a scripture to somebody or the, the small, what we might think of as a small thing, those can be life changing events. And Amen. it's clearly marked Lee's life. With that, Lee, I'd like to go ahead and move to a story of a challenge. As, as we look through life, sometimes it can feel like, like, uh, what I call the Facebook effect, where, mm-hmm. you know, we see what look like everybody else's high points or kind of the highlight reels of their lives while our own lives might look like a blooper reel. And one of the things I find is that not only do we all have challenges, but sometimes we connect with each other better through the challenges and also yeah. learn from those challenges. So would you mind sharing with us a time when you faced a challenge or a failure and then share with us what God did in that time? Yeah, I can share one pretty recently. So my wife passed away on a five, the, the, the 5th of December, um, two, 2008. And, um, she said that, um, she had one regret that we'd gotten out of the ministry. And, um, I stepped back into like a traditional role of ministry inside of a, a mega church, quite, quite honestly. And then I realized in that role that, um, that nothing was wrong with it, but I wasn't obeying G- what he wanted me to do. So I walked away from that and wanted to work, move toward this, this uh, ministry of people hearing and obeying and being engaged in mission. And I really didn't have that figured out. Like I didn't know how to do that. It was kind of like Abraham. I was walking away, but that wasn't a fit, not negative to that. That wasn't a fit, that ministry, not being um, on staff at that church anymore. And that wasn't a fit for me there. So that feeling of abandonment, basically, I was I was rejected. But I, I it wasn't – that's the way that I felt. I felt abandoned, again, just like that little boy, um, that orphan. And that was hard. But I began to pray – and um, he directed me. First, he directed me to go to a conference at Barry College where I met a guy that talked about intimacy with Jesus that was doing a conference in Birmingham. So then I went to Birmingham. I took the next step. And in Birmingham, this is in 2013, I met someone that you've interviewed, Curtis Sargent. And I was there to hear him. And then from Birmingham, I went to the first class in March of 2013 of Medicamp where the light bulb came on. It was the aha. It was like, wow, this is it. And then from there, I came back to Tampa and I began to obey what Jesus had spoken to me about, that it was John chapter 17. And I began to train people organically and decentralize how to tell their story and tell Jesus's story. Now, here's the ahas. Like I was brokenhearted about that, that rejection and that hurt. But now Jesus's birth, 
well over a hundred simple churches that are making disciples, that are making disciples, that are multiplying. So I went through the hurt and I came out on the other side and I'm, I'm living, I'm getting to see that dream of John 17 occur like right now before my eyes. It's very cool. Wow, that's that's great. You know, as you were sharing that, so many things are going through my mind. One of them is that, you know, over the the course of our time talking, several times it's come up that feeling of abandonment and how Christ has filled that void in your life. And the other thing that came up came to me is the idea of these churches being birthed and the um sort of the birth pains, right? So we know that when children are born that the mother goes mm-hmm. through pains. Obviously you're a guy and I'm a guy, so we don't really know a whole lot about what that's really feels like, you know, on a personal level. Do you find that, or does it seem like to you that so so often God ministers to us in that point of pain? Oh, absolutely. I, I think ultimately that you learn more, you're absolutely going to learn more through suffering. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But Paul said that he might know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to the image of his death. We're made most like Jesus through hard times, through suffering. That's that, And that's where real intimacy is born with the Lord Jesus, I believe. that, And, and, and that's that's absolutely true. That that that's that's just that's I don't know how to say it. other than else that that is true. Yeah, I'm definitely hearing echoes of James as well. You know, rejoice when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces yeah. patience. Uh, not always the happy message. You know, it can sound no. happy when you're standing on the other side of it. But I, I, I know from my experience, and I would assume from yours as well, that going through it sometimes really kind of stinks. Absolutely. You don't. You don't. Um, you're not. It's Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that theme resonates throughout there. But it's actually you can get to where in the midst of that, you're able to rejoice. And I think that that when you're young in the Lord, that's not necessarily true. But as you mature and you grow and you you recognize that, that it's not even action inside of it anymore, that you're not even aware of it, that you're being made like Jesus and sharpened. And other people see that. They see him shaped and formed in you. And that's the beauty. And you do that together. When you actually, when we actually live that out, like we are talking about it on this podcast, when we do that together out of oneness, they see that. And who are they attracted to? Jesus is lifted up and they're drawn to him. Oh, that's great. I'm so enjoying this conversation. Uh, it's just great to hear your passion. I would like to go ahead and move to the other end of the spectrum. We've, we know a little bit about you. We've heard about a time when you were facing a challenge, but we also know that God reveals stuff to us. Sometimes he reveals things in the hard times. Sometimes he reveals things quickly, sort of that shaft of light experience. And other times we see that he's been revealing something to us over time as we look back. Would you mind sharing with us um, something that God revealed to you, the, the story of that revelation and then what you did to take what God showed you and to, to run with it? That's kind of cool. It's what we're actually doing now. It's a great question. So when I was at Metacamp and I read part of um, the, the what you do is you read Matthew 5 through 7 as homework every night. And um, God spoke to me from Matthew 5, 19, that he talked about the kingdom 
Um, who that's greatest in the kingdom of, of, of heaven is the person that obey and teaches other. And that was so true. So when I came back, what was planted in my mind was how does that actually spread? And he led me to Acts 19 where Paul at Ephesus, he spent two and a half years there, and it says that he left the synagogue, took the believers with him, and held daily discussions, not lectures, in a place called Tyrannus. And all of Asia heard the word of God in only two years. And so now what God's doing, we're actually planning a Tyrannus training center that looks like a gym and a coffee shop in an absolutely poverty-stricken area of Tampa called Suitcase City. And just today, we were down there. We, we haven't started construction on it or anything like that. And we're down there and we're doing sports camps in the car and we're actually prayer walking and we're looking for persons of peace and they're identifying, they're, 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 they're welcoming us into their homes. And we're seeing that out of a relational intimacy with God on mission together that there is, he's birthing something where privilege meets poverty and something's occurring before our very eyes. And I can't get, I can't get away from it. So it's going to look like this seed that was planted, planted in, in Matthew 5 of obeying and training others to doing what Paul did in Ephesus that changed the world in only two years that I can actually see that occur from Tampa unto the rest of the world. Because what Paul did in Acts 20, he said to the Ephesian elders, he said, I cease not to teach you publicly, Tyrannus, and from house to house. And that whole world was changed by the people that were there in Ephesus in only two years. And I believe today that we can see the same thing, not just locally, but regionally, nationally, and globally. And to me, that's the way that my dream is coming true of John 17. That's a long answer, but that's real in my life right now. No, that's great. And it's actually uh, a great lead into the next question, because uh, I want to move to the, the present day. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about what's going on in your ministry. Maybe something that's really exciting you right now. Maybe something you see coming in the future. Maybe something that's connected to what you've already shared. Share with us what's going on. Well, that's really the thing. What we're, we're basically doing is like we're obeying. So all the house churches that are that that have been birthed in Tampa and even Australia now and Nicaragua, just because of us obeying and training others, he's multiplied that. And those groups are actually meeting and being intentional about taking ground. So we're doing that in an area. That's really poor in Tampa, Suitcase City. Pray for us. It's a dark place. It's a poor place. It's a crime-ridden place. It's an, it's an evil place. And so we're going in there and we're wanting to plant house churches. We're praying for persons of peace, going there, seeing them welcome into our homes, but we're also wanting to plant as people are raised up out of those house churches to have a training center, looks like a gym and a coffee shop. It costs nothing. Freely you've received, freely give. Um, we're not calling it church. It's called Tyrannus. They come in, and as those leaders are raised up out of the harvest through daily discussion and in relationship, that's where leadership is coming from that multiplies out. So they'll come to Tyrannus, they'll be trained, and they'll go out. They'll be sent out the same way that Jesus. So we, we're sent out the same way they are and that we're doing the same thing. We're simply passing on to others what was passed on to us and believing that 
through that through that model or actually hearing and obeying Jesus that we can change the world. That's that's excellent. I, I appreciate the summary that you put there and, and how God's been doing that. You know, it's, it's one thing to hear that God is doing something. It's another thing to hear that all you're really doing is hearing what God is with saying and then doing it. That's I, really it. <laughs> I, I think that sometimes, at least looking at my own life, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but sometimes it can seem like ministry is so complex, you know, or theology is so complex because there are all of these different things. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it comes down to the two things Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. And, Amen. and you know, if you love God, then you're going to do what he says. I mean, he makes that pretty clear as well. Um, I would like to move on. And I'm so excited to hear your your answer to this question, because I know that you've spent some time in in profession, in vocational ministry in a large church. Now you're doing church planting. And I'd like to know what you would share with somebody who is called to operate in the marketplace. They're not called to traditional vocational ministry, but now they're starting to wonder if what they do really matters for the kingdom. Yeah, it does. I, I, I think um, my answer to that is just what we just said. If Every believer is a missionary, and you simply have to hear and obey there what um, Jesus says. So the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus set him free, he was he was naked, bound with chains, howling at the moon, and Jesus sets him free. And immediately, he didn't have to get educated. He simply said, Go tell what I've done for you. So he spread the word throughout the Decapolis immediately. Jesus didn't let him go with him. He sent him out into his sphere of influence. And then later, the guy did such a great job. When Jesus actually showed up, they already knew all about him. And that is the family of God. That's the army. Jesus is the head. And exactly where you're planted, simply tell your story and tell Jesus's story. And that's what that guy that gave me that Bible that they can look at, he told me his story and he told me Jesus's story. And I'm getting goosebumps is Everything that's happening today is because he obeyed, man. Yeah. Because he obeyed as a merchant seaman of the roommate of a drug addict. Yeah. And that and the and a lot of cool stuff has happened because of that. Yeah, and you know, I'd I'd like to say something about that because I get the sense that sometimes it can feel like telling our story is this big thing that we have to make sure that we tie a pretty bow on it or things like that. And I'll, I'll tell you, there are some parts of my story that I'm not proud of, but God is the God of my yeah, story. And, exactly. You know, it's not like I want to glorify the dark parts and it's not like I can truly exalt the, um, the bright parts because it's Christ. But when I share that story, I know that it impacts people's lives. And I know that when you share your story, you know, maybe I can't connect with the people you can connect with, but I've not been called to the people that you've been called to. And I believe that God has a calling for every believer. 
I believe that God has a story in the life of every believer, and I believe that God wants us to share it. I'm sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. This is not my no, interview. I'm, this is I'm, yours. I'm, I'm loving it, brother, because that's that's exactly the truth. Is you have a sphere of influence in Romans eight, all the stuff, your story that He wants. They might have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many alive. And that's the oneness of that is that Jesus is the head of that, and that's why we're related, and we simply can live out that oneness globally, locally, nationally, globally, when we do exactly what we're both articulating, then people will look at that and they'll go, wow, what is that? That's love. That's that's loving God. That's loving one another. That's loving your neighbor. And it has power, but it's not it's not process and systems. It's relation it's relational. It's like what we're doing like we're connecting that way in this podcast. It's powerful. Yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate that. I do need to move on. I want to be sensitive of our time, and we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, and so I'd like to move on to the, the, the next question, which is, you know, there are people who listen to this podcast. In fact, most of the people who listen are you know, people in North America who are connected to missionaries, they care about missionaries. And in some way, they're often supporting or encouraging missionaries, either financially or in prayer. But some of them want to do more. What's one thing that somebody could do to, to sort of level up their game? What we're doing here, what we're actually doing inside of um, our house church movement, so to speak, is I was all, all missions is, is doing there what you're doing here. So in essence, really all we're doing is we're training people to tell their story, tell Jesus's, tell Jesus's story. So to help a missionary, to help someone, okay, whether it's in the United States or it's in a foreign country, if that mission is actually to tell your story, tell Jesus's story, and to make disciples that make disciples, to train them to do the same thing, is you can actually go wherever there is in your local area to help a missionary or to go on a short a short term mission trip that is church planning movement and mobilize and help those missionary a missionary in their that area and being intentional about that's actually being one with them and i think that's a great way that we're using locally for instance we're taking four just ordinary people and instead of going to haiti and doing a relief mission we're actually taking them and they're going and they're training um, 40 people in two locations how to do church planning movements in haiti we're doing the same thing from tampa to nicaragua and birthed that already so we sent and to jacksonville soon florida we're just going there and without any without any agenda not trying to build anything just doing that work there as teams and then whatever shows up, we hand off to that local leader there. And I think that's a great way for anybody to get in the game. 
Oh, that's excellent. You know, as as you were sharing the um, the thing about being one with a missionary, it reminded me of the story of um, of David and his men, where they came back after a battle, and all their wives had been taken, and so they mm. went off to pursue. And some of the guys got tired, and so they stayed there to to watch over the stuff while the other guys went and got everything back. And when they returned, the guys that went wanted to keep all the plunder for themselves. Yeah. And and David said, no, the guys who stayed here and guarded our stuff are as much a part of us as we are. And, and you know, I think that in, in my mind, if I was one of the guys that stayed behind, I'd probably be thinking, man, I'm just not, I'm not man enough. I wasn't strong enough to mm-hmm. go on with these other guys. I'm less of a person. And then the king comes back and says, no, what you did was important and we're all together. Man. And I think that that's got how God works in our lives. Now, Lee, it's time for us to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back with some amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, the questions part is going to be, I'm not so sure how amazing my answers will be, but we'll what's, give it a shot. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? That everyone who says yes doesn't mean it. <laughs> so the kingdom says the kingdom of God is like two sons. One says, yes, I'll go. Then he doesn't go. And that one says, no, I'm not going. But then he goes. I wish I'd understood that not everyone that says yes, um, not everyone that says yes doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean it. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. Yeah. Looking back over the years, what's one thing you wish you would have done differently? I never, ever have been in debt financially. What's the best, advi- best advice you've ever received? If I take care of the depth, if I take care of the depth of my ministry, God will take care of the breadth of it. Okay. And can you share one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to what God has done in your life? Yeah, it's in uh, First Thessalonians five. It says, "I pray God sanctify you, Holy Spirit, soul, and body." And it talks about Jesus. It talks about the fact that He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So. Um, I'm not a health nut, but I, I practice disciplines both spiritually, nutritionally, and physically. I'm, dis, I'm disciplined because I think that sanctification is from the spirit, the soul, and body. So it's from the inside out. But there's responsibility on my on my part to be obedient to that. So training physically, spiritually, and nutritionally, those disciplines in my life have been have been important. Do you have an internet resource, something that you use that you'd like to share with our listeners? I don't know about an about an internet resource, but I read pretty I read pretty voraciously. Okay, uh, so um, I like I like reading um, Neil Cole, Alan Hirsch, Felicity Dale. I think a great book recently is Black Swan effect by Felicity Dale about the role of women um, in ministry or, or gender inequality. I think it's a great book. Okay, and what's one book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Can I do two? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, Church 3.0 by Neil Cole, and the treatise, so to speak, is Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch. You said that was Forgotten Ways? Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch. Tough book, but it'll, it'll change your life. 
Okay, and for those who are listening, uh, if you're driving to work or you're working out right now and you can't write this stuff down, you can always visit the show notes. Again, those are at engagingmissions.com slash Lee Wood. We'll have all of these resources linked up for you there. And if you want to read the books or you know check things out, that'd be great for you to visit. Now, Lee, we're going to go a little bit deeper for the last couple of questions. We'd like to focus a little bit more on your perspective and some ministry advice. This is our chance to learn from your experiences. So what would you tell somebody who's living in, in North America or in the U.S., and they one day they look up and they realize that their neighbors or their coworkers are f- mm-hmm. from another culture, maybe a country that we used to consider missionary territory? I tell them the same thing that, that Jesus said, and, and, and what we try to do is love your neighbor. So there's lots of ways to, to love your neighbor. Take them a gift, talk to them, ask God to thrust out laborers into 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 the harvest and um the whole the whole thing is is i would encourage people to read matthew 10 and luke 10 and to go that way into their community into their into their neighborhood and put feet to actually loving their neighbor that way, because that's the way multiplication will occur. I think it's really interesting if you if you think about. You only see two people in the New Testament that individually come to Jesus: the Ethiopian eunuch and the Apostle Paul. The rest were family. They were groups of people that were reached from the Philippian jailer and his family to Cornelius and his family, etc. Those are those spheres of influence in the marketplace that you have in families, and we simply that is achieved relationally through being abandoned to God relationally by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. So communication flows out of intimacy both with God and with your neighbor. That's good. Um, what would you tell someone who's starting to want to be involved in discipling or ministering the love of Christ to a neighbor or a coworker whose heritage is from another culture? I, I think the whole thing is is like you have to like Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might by all means win some. So today, when I was actually out in the community where that poor area I told you about, I had a gentleman that said to me that um, I have, and he said something, but it was like an Ethiopian Jewish background. So I didn't launch into the New Testament. I asked, you know, hey, like we really think we're, we're called here to love God and to love our neighbor. And uh, would you be open to just from like in the beginning, God, and to have a dialogue and for us to, to do that in your home? And so he said, yeah, that'd be great. And so if you really get that you can do that in their home. So I think that in the United States, we think because so many people are involved in a traditional or a a legacy environment of church that they're almost, um, they're almost afraid to do that in the home with somebody. And our default is to invite them to church but that you can actually be that missionary in that per, in that person's home, that sphere of influence that you have. That's that's kind of my best shot at it, man. <laughs> okay. Now the last one's a bit tricky, uh, but imagine you woke up tomorrow morning. It's your first day of ministry in a 
brand new country where you don't know anybody. You still have your experience, your knowledge, your family's there, and your food and shelter are covered, but all you have is a laptop, a laptop and $500 US. What do you do in the, in the first seven days? Um, I do the same thing that, that, there uh-huh. that, I, that I do now. And John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Is that Jesus speaks? One, I would pray. <laughs> yeah, I would pray, and then I would obey, and then I would do. I would do Matthew ten and Luke ten because I have that provision, and I would go out and I would pray, and I would put with my wife or whoever else is with me, and I'd say, God, well, show me that person. The, I pray that the fields here are white unto harvest. But the laborers are few. Show me that person of peace. And I would go and and take authority against the enemy as I, I would fight evil in prayer while searching for that person of peace. And then I would pour, when that person's revealed, I would pour deeply into that one person. Small things grow and simple things grow. And that's the key is that's what Jesus did. He poured deeply into a few and they got it. They got, they got, they got Matthew 10 and, and Luke 10. And we exist because Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, I pray for everyone that will ever believe because of these. We actually exist, Brian, because they heard and they obeyed Jesus. And I think that if we could actually get back to the simplicity of that and not having our mind bent all about process and systems and pour deeply here, obey, and pour deeply into the few, that we would see miraculous multiplication of disciples that make disciples. That's, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that, Lee. Now, we're almost done. What I'd like to do before we get off the line is, would you share with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Um, I guess I don't have any great words of wisdom about it, advice, but um, I, I have a quote I like. is um, <laughs> The biggest room in the world is a room for improvement and that nobody's future is behind them. Forgetting those things that are behind, press on, press on press on. And then anybody can get a hold of me at Lee at the number one body ministries.com. And I don't mind giving my phone number if they want to call me. It's 813-731-2479. And um, thanks so much, brother. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us, Lee. We really appreciate it. That's all the time that we had with Lee Wood. It was just amazing to get to know him over Skype and to hear about all the wonderful things God's been doing in his life. I'm in particular just so happy to hear about the ministry that he's doing in in and around people who have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. As I mentioned during the interview, if you connected with Lee and you're interested in any of the resources that he shared, you can find all of those linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Lee Wood or slash 52 is in episode 52. 
If you're interested in leaving a comment, of course, you can do that in the comments section right there on the show notes page. Uh, whether it's a question or maybe a suggestion or something like that, you can certainly do that there. And also, if you're, if you're interested in giving me some specific feedback, maybe something that you don't want to make public, you can certainly do that by sending an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I would love to hear from you, not just your comments and your questions and your concerns, but also if there's something that you'd like to see me change about the show, if you have some comment or some suggestion about the format of the show, maybe somebody I need to connect with, I would love to hear from you. Whether you leave that in the comments section or send that to, to me as an email, that'd be great. And then also, I know that I've mentioned this pretty much every episode, but your ratings, your reviews, and your subscriptions in iTunes mean a lot. Not only do they help make sure that you don't miss any of the interviews with missionaries like Lee Wood and the other 51 people that we've had up so far, but they also help other people find the show. If somebody's searching for something that they might need to connect with, maybe what Lee shared, your rating and your review might be what helped them find that. And beyond that, it also encourages me. It helps me know whether or not I'm meeting your needs. If what I'm doing is connecting with you and is pouring something into your life because my heart, my heart's desire is to glorify Christ and to share the stories of what God's been doing in the lives of missionaries. But my hope in that is that it will not only do that, but it will also pour into your life, that it will encourage you, it will challenge you, it will give you the answer to a question that you might be looking for. Maybe, maybe even call you to a different place in your walk with Christ, whether it's across the street or perhaps across the ocean. I don't know what God's sowing into your life, but my heart's desire desire is that as you connect with people like Lee and the stories that they're sharing, that it would do something in your life, in your relationship with Christ and in the ministry that you have. Whether this is your first time here, whether you're just connected with Lee and you stopped by to hear his interview or whether you've been here for a long time, maybe you just found me on in a search engine. That's great. I'm glad that you're here. It means a lot to know that you're here. Again, my heart's desire is that you would be connected with Christ in a deeper and a more meaningful way because of what we've done here. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.